We're going to be talking about church membership this morning, and um, that's a really cool thing to share with your friends. Yeah, I'm going to be preaching on church membership. It's you know, not something that grabs people. And um, it's, what I'm going to be sharing today isn't something that's unique to me. I need to thank people like Matt Chandler, Ed Stetzer, Dave Mathis, people I've read about, that the importance of church membership. And uh, it's not that church membership is out of vogue in uh, the United States or in the world. How many of you are Amazon Prime members? Yeah, a lot of you. I don't mind plunking down my 119 They lose money on me, $119 a year. They lose money on the stuff that we get at our home. Or BJ, how many of you are BJ's members? Yeah, a lot of you. But when we start talking about church membership, we get a little wigged out. It's not something that we want to just hang around and talk about. And I think it's because we have that idea of what church membership is. It's sort of like, what are my rewards? What are, my, uh, you know, what are the, the things I get from church membership? And believe it or not, there are some things we get from church membership. We're going to be talking about that, but some things we also give. That's sort of a Western concept that if I'm a member of something, I'm going to be getting something. So when we talk about church membership, it a, lot, a lot of times it's like, um, you, know, you, you know, eating spinach is good for you. You ought to eat your spinach, you know. And we have that kind of idea about what church membership is. But in the New Testament, people in churches are recognized as being in some sort of community. It's just the reality of how community is expressed in Scripture that kind of has fallen out of vogue over the last couple thousand years. But I'd like to look at it this morning and build a case for a biblical, a, you know, a biblical case for church membership, for formal church membership, why we need to be a part of a body of Christ. And the first passage of Scripture, verse that I want us to look at, is found in Acts 5.13. And it has nothing to do, really, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with my sermon in the sense of what's going on there. Uh, it's the first severe case of church discipline when Ananias and Sapphira decide together to sell a piece of property and then keep some of that money back and say they sold it for such and such amount and then lie about it and so Ananias goes to the goes to the the elders and says here's the money we sold it for this amount and they go no you didn't you sold it for that amount why are you lying to us and plop he goes down dead so then Sapphira comes in a little bit later, and um, they say to her, to her, did you sell the property for this amount? And she said, yeah, that's what we sold it for. And it's a really cool phrase. The feet of the people, men that buried your husband, are on the way in, and they're going to bury you too when she drops dead. And as a result of that, we have Acts 5.13, that people were afraid to join their number. Christians were afraid to join their number. And that word join in Greek isn't like BJ's Club where you can leave whenever you want to or like uh, Amazon Prime where you don't have to sign up the next year. It means glued together. They're glued together. A process of which... So there were some Christians that said, no, I don't want to be glued together. I don't want to be a part of that. That's too dangerous. And so we see that first glimpse in the, the first church in Jerusalem of what church membership is all about. It's being glued together. The Apostle Paul gives another image which is just as compelling, and it has to do with the body. He reckons the church in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 
Paul looks at the church as a bo- not like a body, but the church is a body. So we're an organism. Those of us that belong to Jesus, those of us that are in the body of Christ, we are members of a body. And the word member, that's really closely associated with the medical term of membership. So my thumb is a member of me. My leg is a member of me. And the only way to get rid of that member, we're in a farming community, and I grew up in a farming community, and there's always somebody that lost a thumb, lost a toe. In a sense, you become dismembered. I don't know if that's happened to anybody, but that's really tragic when you lose a member of your body, when it's no longer... I had a friend in high school, and he lost a finger, but he always he said, I'm going to be buried with this finger. So he had it in formaldehyde the whole time. So it was kind of gross, but you know. So, um, but yet in our Western culture, that's not a very popular comp, uh, uh, concept, is it? To be connected that closely, to be a member one to another, where we really... Need, and we're going to talk a little bit about that toward the end of, the, of, of our talk today, our learning time today, about what it means to function in the body of Christ. But um, today, it's more common to be a Lone Ranger, a Lone Ranger Christian, instead of being connected to the body. And, you know, church membership isn't for everybody. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you haven't made a commitment to follow Jesus, then church membership isn't for you. And you know, there were times in history, especially in Scandinavia, where it was a law to go to church. It was a law to do what we just did. If you don't go to church and you don't take communion, you could be arrested for that. Stop and think about that. So on the first Sunday of the month, the place is packed because they don't want to go to jail. You know? And so you have people taking communion because you know, they're gonna, you're going to see me that I'm not in church, you're going to arrest me, I'm going to go to jail. So church isn't for every whole movements, free church movements started in, in Scandinavia because they thought it was a sacrilege to take communion, the, the Lord's Supper, with people that didn't know the Lord. So church membership isn't for, for, for everybody. It's only for those people that have put their faith and trust in Christ alone for their salvation. And you know, there are places in Scripture, now it doesn't come out in, in the New Testament and say, you will be a member of a church. You will go to the church's new members class. You will learn the secret handshake. There's nothing like that in Scripture. It's not that way. It's not that, that formalized. It's taken for granted that that's a part of what you do. You formally become a member of a local body. And the first time, uh, or one, one of the times that we see that is in 1 Corinthians 14.23. And, and this is, once again, it's it's not the context of what the whole story is about people speaking in tongues. And um, people get, it's like somebody walks in, a visitor walks in, and everybody's speaking in tongues, and nobody knows what the other person is. You know, they, they walk in, they don't know what's going on, they, they don't understand what's happening. And the term that the Apostle Paul use, uses there is when the whole church comes together. When the whole church comes together. Now that that gives me two observations there. First of all, and I think sometimes we forget this, Uniontown Bible Church is not this building. Okay, Those of you that are members of Uniontown Bible Church, you're the church. You know, we are the church, and we teach that to our children early on. In fact, there's a song. 
It goes, I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we're the church together. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a building. The church is not a resting place. The church is the people. And we get, you know, I'm going to church. No, you're part of the church. You are the church. You're not going to church. You are the church. So we, as a church gathered, we gathered together. So in Paul's mind, the whole church means, okay, everybody's there. If everybody hadn't been there, he couldn't have said the whole church gathered that day. So um, people that um, follow Jesus... Uh, in that had followed Jesus in Corinth had somehow said, I'm a part of this church. I'm a formal part of this church. And as we look at the New Testament, we can see three reasons or three um, understandings about the importance of this being a part of a local body of believers. First of all, membership reflects what the church is. It's a collection of people that belong to Jesus. But it's more than that. It's an organism, what I just said. It's a, it's a reflection of the, of the organic community already existing in the body of Christ. And when you say, I don't want to be a part of this, you're basically saying, uh, I don't want to be a part of you. I don't want to be connected to you. As a matter of fact, too many churches... Uh, remember we talked about being an organism. Well, in a lot of churches, when they come together for worship, it's a bunch of thumbs and toes and arms and legs that are totally disconnected. That The only thing they have in common is that hour of worship. And the New Testament says that's not what being a part of a church is. Being a part of a church is being a part of an organism. You're connected together. It's just not a worship point it's a life together. The Bible teaches covenant community too, that we covenant with one another and we covenant with God to be a part of this community. In Corinth, it talked about putting people out. Well, how can you put people out if you hadn't brought them in? There was a, there was a distinct uh, recognition of who was in and who was out. And there are times when... Uh, and thankfully, it happens very, 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 very seldom when somebody has to be put out because of sin, because of unfaithfulness, or whatever. But the Bible teaches that we can be a part of the body, and we can be apart from the body. And yet, in most churches, there's no way to put people out because no one's in. No one has made that commitment to be in. And uh, while there seems to be flexibility according to various bodies, various denominations, there is no such thing in the New Testament as a church without some recognition of belonging or membership or community. People need, need membership commitment because they need to be connected to Christian community. And we've experienced it this morning, haven't we? We've prayed for the McGee's and we've prayed for the Carreras. And when you when you commit to a local body of believers, when you become part of us, you open yourself up to some just unbelievable sorrows, but also to some unbelievable joys. And so it's a, it's a two-way street. And we've done that even this morning. 
And we need church membership. Not only is it a covenant community, not only is, is it uh, something that, that others need, it's something that we need too. We recognize biblical membership matters because people need it. People need membership commitment because they need to be connected to a Christian community. And this is not just for the sake of the faith community, but it's for our sake alone. I think I shared this maybe one other, this is an old statistic, when I mean old, it's several years old, I was listening to, I was listening to, a, um, to a podcast, and the person was interviewing George Barna, he's a, he's a guy who does um, polls and so forth, and 40 years ago, they, their description, their definition of a regular church attendee was somebody who attended three times a week. And you go, you know, your mind. How would that? You know, I don't know how many of you remember Sunday night services. You come Sunday night, and then there was Wednesday night prayer meeting. You come. So that was that was it there. Maybe now you could say, well, at least twice a week. If you're you come on Sunday morning, you come on 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 uh, your the night of your small group. That would be a second time that you would be. Maybe not all of us gathered, but your small group. Today, George Barna. The way they define somebody who's a regular uh, church attendee is someone who attends at least once every six weeks. Once every six weeks. So if you're reading those reports and you go, yeah, that sounds a lot like me, you're probably that person that attends once every six weeks. When you read those reports, don't get misled by saying, wow, is that what Christianity is all about? Today? Those, are, those are regular church attendees that, that may be coming only once every six weeks. It's not a reflection of who God wants us to be as a body. And you know, individualistic... Christianity is a myth, and it's a damaging pursuit. At the end of the day, we're redeemed. We're placed in a body. The Bible specifically says he has redeemed us. He has transferred us. Colossians 1 says, from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the Son he loves. A kingdom has a king. The kingdom, uh, the, the uh, king has subjects, and his kingdom has a community together where we function as God's people. In fact, C.S. Lewis struggled with church attendance and membership, but came out with an interesting conclusion. It's interesting to note that C.S. Lewis, great uh, defender of the faith, a great apolog apologetic um, theologian of the last century, um, he attended a small church for 30 years, the experience was nothing spectacular. For most of those years, Lewis didn't mu care much for the sermons. In fact, he would sit behind a pillar so that the priest wouldn't see his expre the expression on his face when he was preaching. He attended the service without music because he so disliked hymns. And he left right after Holy Communion was served probably because he didn't like to engage in small talk with other parishioners after the service. But the lifelong obedience in the same direction shaped Lewis in a way that nothing else could. Lewis uh, was once asked, is attendance at a place of worship or membership with a Christian community necessary to a, Christ to a Christian's way of life? And his answer was as follows. That's a question that I cannot answer. My own experience is that when I first became a Christian about 14 years ago, I thought that I could do it on my own by retiring to my rooms and reading theology, and I wouldn't go to the churches and gospel halls. 
And then later I found that it was only, that it, the only way to, that it was the only way to fly your flag. And of course, I found that it meant being uh, a target. It is extraordinary how inconvenient to your family it becomes if you get up early to go to church. It doesn't matter so much if you get up early for anything else, but if you get up early to go to church, it's very selfish of you, and you upset the house. If there is anything in teaching the New Testament which is in the nature and command, it is that you are obliged to take communion, and you can't do it without going to church. I dislike very much their hymns, which I consider to be fifth-rate poems set to sixth-rate music. I'm glad we don't have to experience that here at Uniontown, right? But as I went on, I saw the great merit of it. I came up against different people of quite different outlooks and different education. And then gradually my conceit just began peeling off. I realized that the hymns, which were just sixth rate, were nevertheless being sung with devotion and benefit by an old saint in elastic-sided boots in the opposite pew. And then you realize that you aren't fit to clean those boots. It gets you out of your solitary conceit. We have a daughter who lives with us who has Down syndrome. And probably everybody in this room uh, functions on a higher level than she does. But when God looks at us, the difference between her and the smartest person in this room isn't like this. It's, uh, can I get, like, it's like that. The God of the universe. So if you think you're too smart to join us, or if you think you're not smart enough to join us, remember that it's all level playing field at the foot of the cross. Amen? I have a friend, Henry Foster. He's a member of Reformed Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. And I've used this phrase before. I got it from him. There are only 52 Sundays a year to worship the Lord. So why would we waste any of them? Now, think of what we've been doing this morning. We only get to do this 52 times a year. So he bought a house down in Buford. And uh, staying true to that, that commitment to worship went ahead of the family, I guess it was supposed to be a summer home, and he found a church in Buford that they would attend when they were there because they 50, only 52 times a year do you do this, and we're gonna, when we're on vacation, we're going to be there. So they started attending this church, Community Bible Church in Buford. Kind of shared his, his passion for Ukraine with that church, and that church was a, the church in, in Columbia was a partner church with us in Ukraine. And this church in Buford became a partner church with us and is still working in Ukraine today. And they have a passion for the orphan. And because of their passion for the orphan, the plight of the orphan in Ukraine is not as bad as it is in other former Soviet Union republics. Even a whole week where fo the whole nation focuses on the orphan and the care of the orphan. That wouldn't have happened if Henry Foster had a cavalier, a cavalier approach to, to uh, church attendance and only went when he could be at home and not on vacation. But because he had a commitment 
to church attendance, people's lives in Ukraine, the lives of orphans in Ukraine are being changed today. There's a lot of metaphors in the New Testament that make us believe that church membership, there's a, there's a formal church membership. Uh, one is the use of the word flock. Acts 20.28 20, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which He bought with His own blood. Shepherds know who's in their flock, the sheep that are in their flock. They know the sheep that don't belong to their flock. There's a specific number, a specific group of people that they're responsible for. And as you commit yourself to that flock, or if you, as you commit yourself to the flock that is represented here as Uniontown, the shepherds have watch care over you. That's a, that's a benefit, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments. It's also considered a building. We're considered a building. Ephesians 2.21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So you look at a building, you can tell if it's complete, right? It's missing bricks, missing windows, it's not a complete building. But here we're told that the church is a building. The bricks laying around the outside, of the, that's not the building. This is the building. You're either in or out. You're either brick that's in or you're brick that's out. You're, you're a part of that building. We're also considered a body, and we've talked a lot about that. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you a part of it. So I only have ten figures. If there's another finger over there, it's not part of me. Okay, it's, it's you know, not part of me. Household. 1 Timothy 3.15 If I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar of the foundation of truth. In our household, there's me, my wife, and Aaron. We have a dog named Honey. So if somebody else comes in, I know whether you belong to our household or not. If you're not one of, those, one of these four people, you're not in our household. And so there's a de de definite recognition of who's in your household and who's not. God makes us a part of a larger family when we're born again, when we come into a personal relationship with Him. But then we should covenant in a local body and live in community with each other, agreeing to live by certain established godly principles and standards. Membership doesn't save us. By being a member, it doesn't save you, but it enables you to grow and become spiritually mature in Christ. Not only should we be members of the body, each of us should also be able to express the value of membership. And we should be able to, to express that through personal experiences that, that we have had in our own personal life. And hopefully that keeps us from squirming when the whole idea of membership comes up. So what are the benefits? Okay, like now we'll talk about Amazon Prime. What are the benefits of being? Well, first of all, accountability. There is something about, about committing to a church that holds us accountable. We build relationships with people that can speak into our lives. We can speak into other people's lives. A famous passage on this is Matthew 18. We talk about church discipline. And church discipline isn't to kick people out of the church. Church discipline is to restore people back into a right relationship with Jesus and with us. So accountability is a, a huge thing. And I want people to speak into my life, and I want to have the uh, the uh, 
just the freedom to be able to speak into your lives too as, as we grow in Christ. And that's, that's not just in a critical way, but in a positive way too. When a lot of times we think about the critical way, but we don't, man, you did a great job, whatever it was. You, did, you were involved in a great ministry. Thank you for being so faithful. Thank you for that. Um, then the advantage of shepherding. And I think each one of us are sitting here this morning because of a great advantage of shepherding. Uh, Peter talks about it in uh, 1 Peter 5, first, the beginning part of that chapter. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And then when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. That word there for shepherd means poimeno in the Greek. And it means to, to, um, to guard the flock, to feed the flock, and uh, to um, keep the flock from danger. Peter was adamant about that. And I think the reason why he was adamant about that and why he expresses this here in this letter to, to the elders, in this section to the elders, was because of what happened to him. Remember in John 21, he and Jesus have a little conversation and three times Jesus asks him if he loves him. And three times Jesus says, yes. And three times Jesus says, then feed my sheep. The first and third times, really the word tend, the middle time was this word poimeno, to guard, to keep, to feed. In short, a shepherd's, a shepherd's role in the body is to graze, you to feed, to, to guide, and to guard. Tom Rayner is a church health expert. He, uh, he has a database of 55,000 evangelical churches that he does research in. Um, very well known. Uh, he wrote a book called Breakout Churches, and he featured one of, one of the churches that he featured in that, that book was a church in Columbus, Ohio called Zenus Christian Fellowship. And in, in one event in that church, they lost 1,500 members. Ran into a problem and lost 1,500 members. And this is what, this, it's sort of a throwaway statement, but it means a lot to us, I think. Rainer, in the book, he says, um, many, perhaps, many, perhaps most churches never fully recover from a loss like that, where as many as a third of their members leave. Get that? Never fully recover. Several years ago, we went through a very difficult time here, a dark time. We lost probably over a third of our people. We were like Zenus, in a sense. And it was most difficult for our, for our elders and our deacons. 
And maybe you don't agree with everything they did. Maybe you don't agree with everything they said. But they stood their ground, and they guarded us, and they raised us. And I think we're the thriving, healthy church we are today because those guys took a stand in the gap and guarded us as a congregation. And I don't think, frankly, that's the first time that's been done in the history of Uniontown Bible Church. When you're a church that's over 200 years old, you know that that's got to have happened more than once, right? We're, a, we're an old church with a lot of young people in it. All of us are young compared to 200 years. Um, Rainer says, not only did Zenos survive, but they have thrived and are a very healthy, vibrant church today. And because of the guardians of our flock, we could say today that we are the Zenos Christian Fellowship of Maryland. And um, it's because of our elders, our shepherds, that that's a great advantage. We can experience the kind of worship we did today because our shepherds stood in the gap for us. Um, also, another reason why we, why we, and a benefit, is that we uh, show that we're not ashamed to be identified with other believers. That ever happened to you? Sometimes it happens to me, like, you know, a cheesy Christian film, you know, that like, you know, okay, the acting could have been better, the plot story, and a friend of yours is trying to convince a movie critic to go and see it, and you're going, no, 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 don't go and see that one, see it, you know, something else. So, um, but... You know, we're not ashamed to identify ourselves. Uh, I'm not ashamed to identify myself with you, and hopefully you're not, a, a, you're not um, uh, ashamed to identify yourself with me. And then, um, we have a stronger opportunity to use our spiritual gifts. If you're a member of Uniontown Bible Church, you have a spiritual gift you're, because you're a follower of Christ. Um, even if you're not a member, but you're a follower of Christ, if, you're, uh, if you have Christ as your Savior, you um, have at least one spiritual gift. And this is a great place to exercise it. I don't, I got here early. I don't usually get here early. There were a group of people, and I know who you are because I can look out and see you. You were putting the cards in the, in the, in the chairs so that later in the, in the morning, we would pull those cards out and we would write our prayer requests on those and and those people have a spiritual gift of helps, of service. Talk to one person today who mows a lot of the lawn. And here's an interesting t- statistic. Did you know that people that visit a church have decided whether they're going to come back again within 10 minutes that they, when they set foot on the campus? That means how well the lawn is manicured. That means how good the coffee tastes. That means the person that's shaking their hand when they walk in the door. It's what somebody says to them in the lobby. That's what's going to probably make them come back. Not this fantastic worship and teaching that we have on Sunday mornings. That's what gets them ready to hear all of that. And so those of you that greet and and, um, exercise your spiritual gift that way, those of you that that, um, greet children when they first come into your classroom. That sets the morning. That's a, a huge... And those are the people we don't see. Just think of all the people that we do see in using their spiritual gifts uh, in the body. And we are like an organism, aren't we? We all can't mow the lawn. We all can't greet people. We can't all teach. But when we all do it together, the impact we have on the culture and on the community for Jesus is so much stronger than 
me being some isolated person voice out here on my own trying to do it. You have a better, a better way, a better, a stronger opportunity to exercise the spiritual gifts you have. And if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, um, we do, we'll kind of put it in the bulletin maybe. We're going, to have, we're going to be doing a new members class coming up, and one of the sessions is on spiritual gifts. So if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, we can get that settled. If you're a member and that you kind of missed that part, we can, we can help you with that. Um, when somebody's been through new members class, we, uh, I can then ask them, what is your spiritual gift? And said, instead of, do you know what your spiritual gift is? Because they should know it after they've done the new members class. So is there a, is there a case for a new members class? The reason why um, we should have new members classes at Uniontown. Well, there are two cases where churches don't have membership classes. One is where they don't have membership, so they don't need a membership class. Secondly, where it's good enough just to say, I believe in Jesus, let me in. And I think there's more to church membership than just that. There's a specific vision and mission that the Holy Spirit, that God has given us. If it was just one vision, one mission given to, to all the churches in Carroll County, why don't we just be one big church, right? We have a different vision and mission than other churches around us. So you need to know what that is. If, and if you don't, that can cause problems. Um, LifePoint Church, they have a different mission and vision than we do. Crossroads Community Church, they have a different mission and vision than we do. Uh, uh, New Hope Church has a different mission and vision. Wakefield Valley uh, Bible Church has a different mission and vision than we do. So if you join Uniontown Bible Church without knowing the vision and mission God has given us, you may be tempted to work and try to make us like the church you came from, like the church you grew up in, like the church you've read a lot about or the church that you see on TV. Uh, those are all good churches, all good vision, but they're not ours. And we want to all be working together and accomplishing the vision and the mission that God has given us. The next new members class is June 2nd. And if you're not a member, you can be a part of that. You can pick up a, a manual out in the lobby at the connections, uh, at the connection station. God has given us a fantastic mission and vision that he wants us to live out. And if you're not a member today, I would challenge you to join us. If you are, put your shoulder to the wheel and let's do it together. Father, we thank you that you call us into community, that you call us into uh, membership with the local expression called the church of your body. Father, help us to live it out in a way that brings honor and glory to you. Not only going through a class, but then being able to exercise our gifts in a way that make us all the more effective in reaching people with the good news of Jesus. And we thank you for all that you've done for us this hour, the way that we've been able to worship you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.